This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For BC Ferries. To hear about a shooting is a pretty big surprise for us. Murder in New Westminster and a suspect behind bars. Plus, a tense situation in Abbotsford as protesters occupy a pig farm. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. BC Ferries can't seem to catch a break right now. The corporation having to cancel a number of sailings to and from Tawasin today and tomorrow after yesterday's windstorm. As Grace Key reports, it follows a series of other mishaps in the past month. If you had plans to travel between Vancouver and Vancouver Island, you'll want to double-check the ferry schedule. Several sailings between Tawasin and Swartz Bay have been cancelled, taking some passengers by surprise. I went on the website and yes, it showed three being cancelled today coming out of Swartz Bay, but nothing coming out of Tawasin. So we went ahead and made our plans to get the 2 o'clock. I should have checked again later because yeah, 2 o'clock's cancelled. The Spirit of BC is now sitting at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal. Repairs are being made after it sustained damage while attempting to dock during heavy winds on Saturday. It's been a rough few weeks for passengers. Over the Easter long weekend, there were long lines, in some cases three or four sailing waits, coupled with a lack of staff that led to frustration and missed reservations. Last month, passengers were stuck on the Queen of Surrey for 10 hours after it struck a berthing structure while trying to dock at the Langdale Terminal. It pretty much knocked a bunch of people off their feet. Fortunately, I held on the rail because I would have flown. Four sailings have been cancelled for Monday with two added on. Reservable space for Sunday has been fully booked between Tawasin and Swartz Bay. You're being advised to arrive at the terminal early and check for current conditions. Grace Key, Global News. For the third time in less than a week, members of the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team are looking into a deadly shooting in Metro Vancouver. The latest happening in New Westminster. A man was found shot to death in the 600 block of East Columbia Street near Hume Park at about 7.30 last night. Responding New Westminster police officers were able to locate and take a suspect into custody soon after. I hit along with New West Police Major Crime Unit are now gathering evidence to determine a motive. It is believed to be a targeted attack. This in particular is surprising. We've seen police in the area before, but, you know, don't really think much of it. Because uh, there there's a homeless camp around this area too. So, you know, and, and they seem to be pretty uh, not aggressive or anything like that. But then to hear about a shooting is pretty big surprise for us. You do hear a lot about shootings and stuff like that, but uh, having it happen in your area is a kind of big shock. Late Friday afternoon, a man was gunned down in Surrey's Fraser Heights neighborhood. Police have yet to identify the victim. And on Tuesday, another man was found lying on the street on 114th Avenue in Surrey with gunshot wounds. He later died in hospital. Police say the victim, 32-year-old Con Michael Bourne of Seashelt, was known to them. 
In Kelowna, police arrested a 30-year-old Alberta man after allegedly snatching a baby at a local park this afternoon. He just picked up the baby out of the stroller with by the head and started running with the baby. And so everyone was screaming. The baby was retrieved after bystanders stepped in. The man kept on running, tearing off his clothes as he ran. He jumped into Okanagan Lake, but eventually got onto a dock. RCMP tried to talk to him, but the man jumped back into the water again. He said something like, it was a mistake, it was a mistake. Like, he didn't mean to grab the baby. When the man eventually swam into shallow water, police went in after him, finally tackling him and taking him into custody. Hundreds of animal rights activists descended on a hog farm in Abbotsford early this morning. After allegations surfaced, there are sick and dead pigs on the property. But the owners of the farm dispute that, saying they take good care of the animals. Paul Johnson reports. Here's something you don't see often in farm country. Dozens of animal rights activists being marched out of an Abbotsford hog farm after a brazen early morning protest raid that saw them shooting pictures through windows and lining the walkways of the facilities where pigs are raised for meat. Animals do not deserve to be exploited. Most people are against animal cruelty and who would not want to support this industry if they actually knew what was truly happening. In 2019, these pigs were found at one of British Columbia's largest pig farms, crammed inside metal crates. What triggered them was this, a video by the animal rights group PETA that they say was covertly shot inside the farm. The farm's owner says he thinks some of this was staged and some parts might not be from his farm at all. Abbotsford police arrested one person for breaking and entering, and approximately 50 others will be investigated and could face similar charges. The protesters had demanded cameras be brought in to document conditions on the farm, to which owner Ray Binnendyke said fine and personally gave the media a tour. This farm facility is a is a modern day farm and we do an awesome job as a family taking care of these animals. A lot of neighbors told us the same thing and they suspect in that video the activists actually cherry-picked images of the sickest pigs. We love Excelsior! As the day wore on, a large crowd of supporters gathered at the farm, highlighting the culture clash behind all of this between activists who believe intelligent animals should have the same rights to life as people and farmers who raise those animals for a market that wants them. We really pray that everyone sees, sees the truth about us and sees that we are, we are good people just trying to make a good product. In Abbotsford, Paul Johnson, Global News. A student was among the four people killed yesterday when a construction crane toppled onto six cars in a busy street in downtown Seattle. The deadly crash likely to bring scrutiny about the safety of dozens of cranes across that city. Seattle's construction boom turned deadly Saturday. Crane collapsed onto 
five vehicles. Photos show a crane after it snapped and crashed to the ground from a six-story building owned by Google. I heard this, a sound that was like thunder. Deanne Cashmere and his dad Bruce shot video five minutes earlier. It was moving like it was swaying in the wind. Just had a funny feeling she was going to fall. You can see the crane right there swaying in the wind. Next thing, bang, down she come. And I knew what it was. At 3.30 p.m., it came down across six lanes of traffic. A few seconds later, I saw the shockwave hit all the glass, just all rattled. Two crane operators and two other people were dead by the time firefighters arrived. Today, what's left of the crane is being removed from the building. And investigators now looking at what role the weather played, with powerful wind gusts passing through the area at the time. Google released a statement saying, We are in communication with Vulcan, who's managing the site and working with local authorities. Vulcan says our deepest sympathies go out to the families who have lost loved ones. Seattle is going through a tech building boom. There are more cranes here than anywhere else in America. By last count, there were 60 across the city. Today, thousands of British Columbians are remembering workers who lost their lives on the job. This morning's 22nd annual ceremony in Vancouver, one of more than 35 held across the province to mark the day of mourning. The Olympic cauldron at Jackpool Plaza lit for the somber occasion. 131 workers were killed on the job last year, more than half of them succumbing to occupational disease. 65 were fatally injured at work. The National Day of Mourning highlight the need for all of us to make workplace safety our number one priority. As Minister of Labour, this is my top priority. I want to make BC's workplaces the safest in the country. Far too many workplace injuries and deaths are preventable. And a remote lake on the Sunshine Coast has officially been named Fair Lake for fallen wildfire service contractor. 60-year-old John Fair of Roberts Creek died in a tree felling accident while fighting the old seashell mine fire in July 2015. The father of three was newly engaged and widely respected for his work in the logging industry. Fair was posthumously awarded the first ever BC Medal of Good Citizenship, which was accepted by his widow. The lake, which now bears his name, is about eight kilometers northwest of Seashelt. In the interior, the community of Merritt is saying goodbye to a fallen landmark. The 143-year-old Murray Church, the oldest building in the Nicola Valley, was destroyed by arson earlier this year. Today, a farewell service was held. Kristen Robinson has more. And tell stories boldly. They used to gather inside. The Murray United Church stood on Highway 5A for 143 years. The tourist attraction weathering weddings and funerals in recent years. Well, you can see the, behind you, there's nothing there. It's just so sad. Now it's Merritt Area Congregation hosting a memorial service for what was the oldest building in the Nicola Valley. Remains of the Murray United Church, Nicola, B.C., 1876 to January 11, 2019. That's when an arsonist struck. The wooden structure destroyed in an inferno, one of two suspicious overnight church fires in the area. Anger. How dare somebody do that? Before the flames, churchgoers had spent three years repainting the landmark and redoing the windows. And then to have it burned down the way it did, just sad. When it's 
arson. There is no worse crime. All right. August Caprian, I'm back again. 37-year-old August David Caprian is charged with arson and due in court next month. The church bell among the ruins, only the chimney rising from the ashes, now that's gone too. We had a terrible windstorm and down it came. The local Nicola Valley wind, she knocked her down. Go now in peace. This farewell, not a final goodbye. Determined to see their beloved church rise again, the community hoping to raise enough cash to rebuild. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An infamous inn that borders the U.S. and Canada has a new court-ordered sign. The Smuggler's Inn Bed and Breakfast sits on the Blaine Washington side of Zero Avenue. Its owner, Robert Boulay, is facing 21 charges under the Immigration Act, accused of helping people enter Canada illegally. Boulay was granted bail last week on several conditions. Besides a $15,000 cash deposit, he must post a huge 4 by 8 foot sign on his property, clearly stating that it is illegal to cross into Canada directly from the smugglers' inn. As you can see, that signage is now up. Boulay's next court appearance is May 6th. Welcome back on Vancouver Island. An emotional ceremony was held to honor the lives of six Royal Canadian Air Force crew members who died 75 years ago this month. Members of the town of Lake Cowichan and Cowichan Valley ATV Club made the journey this morning to a remote area where a Lockheed Ventura with a crew of six crashed during the Second World War. It's believed the crew became disoriented on a flight from Patricia Bay to Tofino. The members of the crew were Flight Officer John Moyer, Flight Officer Moyer, Warrant Officer Lawrence Kerr, Warrant Officer George Palmer, Sergeant Harry Mackey, and Leading Aircraft Craftsman Murray Robertson. The wreckage of the aircraft remains at the crash site, and a cairn marks the graves of the crew. The site is a designated war memorial. A B.C. member of Parliament is unveiling his plan for a national school food program that aims to feed every Canadian child. NDP health critic Don Davies joining students at John Norquay Elementary School for the announcement. The Vancouver Kingsway MP says he'll be introducing the School Food Program for Children Act when Parliament resumes this week. The proposed legislation would require health ministers, provincial governments and stakeholders develop a school food program to ensure all kids have access to healthy food. It would operate at little or no direct cost to children and their families and promote healthy food education. I think it's high time that Canada joined all of the other industrialized countries in the world and made sure that every child that goes to school can learn in an environment while receiving healthy, nutritious food. If you've had the experience of not eating uh, in the course of the day, you'll know also that hunger is real and hunger does not really help you learn. I just challenge everyone to imagine the impact that a national school food program can have for all of us. Um, and I really hope that one day, like, we don't have to imagine anymore, that it'll just be a reality. In North Vancouver, the old Mountain Highway overpass is no more after an overnight demolition. The
There it goes. It's to make way for the new Mountain Highway Interchange and is part of the Lower Lynn Improvement Project to ease congestion on the North Shore. The night work will continue from 11 o'clock tonight until 5 tomorrow morning and then again next weekend at the same time. Detour routes are in place and drivers are reminded to slow down and drive with caution. The same storm that slammed into B.C., bringing with it damaging winds and snow, also caused havoc in southern Alberta. At least 13 centimeters of snow fell across Calgary and created some very treacherous driving conditions, triggering more than 100 crashes. Nothing. Ron Johnson and his son are back to retrieve their vehicle that was stuck on Stony Trail Saturday night. But they're not complaining. They're just happy to have escaped injury in the terrifying ordeal. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. I was born and raised in Calgary and never seen it like this. Like dozens of other drivers, their vehicle was left behind overnight, victims of zero visibility and ice. Between uh, 530 and 6? About 5. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Very scary. Like, I... There's some times where you just hit ice patches and it was just so hard to control the vehicle. I've never seen it this bad, ever. I've been here my entire life. It's dangerous work as tow truck drivers get soaked, scrambling to keep up with the workload. This is a graveyard. If you look at these cars, there's probably 20 cars on this hill right now. And we'll be at this all week. Yeah, it'll take a week to clean up all this stuff for sure. Oh, we're getting, we're getting splashed all over the place. We got guys underneath cars trying to hook up and their legs are hanging out in the middle of the road. Nobody cares. Outside of Calgary, parts of at least four highways were shut down through the night. Drivers were stranded outside Cochrane after a crash involving four semis and 11 other vehicles on Highway 1 near Jumping Pound. A reception area was opened in Cochrane to help people. Oh, it was horrible. Like it... It hit so fast and it was just like, holy crap. When we started heading back to Cochrane, like we were maybe going 20, 30 and there was times and then you get so snow blind and then you're just like, okay, I, I'm not sure where the road is right now. A bus headed back from Lake Louise through high winds and blowing snow rolled over on Highway 1 just west of Calgary. Several people were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. And it's back to winter snow removal in April now, with spring cleaning being put on hold. Neighborhoods that were scheduled for street sweeping this week are being rescheduled. And while the storm caused a lot of misery, including the cancellation of the Calgary Police Half Marathon, it brought out the best in people too. It's really nice. Calgary Samaritans, you know, there's a lot of people helping a lot of people out as much you know, during a, a, a disaster like this. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. Oh, on, on this side of the Rockies. <laughs> we don't need like toques. World. We do not need toques here no. in May, no. which is nice. Yeah, I drove by Kitts Beach this afternoon. There were a lot of people out. Yes, very different. And Barry and I both lived in Alberta. And I will say that when I lived in Calgary, um, it snowed in June for yes, me. Yes, I was going to yeah. say, pretty June, much, it is yeah. a possibility 12 months a year. Yeah, so that's not unheard we're of. Lucky. And that's lucky. Yeah, we're very lucky. Uh, <laughs> beach weather today, uh, or very pleasant out there. We've got a few clouds out there. But here's a glance at some of the numbers that that we did uh, climb up to. 17 for areas near Soyuz today, Kamloops at 14 and 11. And what a difference a day makes. Many areas in the interior yesterday, we had the snowfall for higher elevations. We had very windy conditions across the coast. It'll be much calmer for the beginning of the work week. We've got a couple of nice days. I'll show you uh, some of the temperatures and what we can anticipate leading into this week. All right, sounds good. And lots of exciting hockey this weekend, not just in the NHL. Jack Hughes, sure fun to watch. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, he plays for the uh, USA. 
away and will not play for the Canucks, so mm-hmm. it's still fun to watch. He and uh, the USA beat Canada at the U18s. Everyone thought they'd meet in the gold medal game. Ended up meeting uh, for bronze. We'll have highlights of that coming up. Vancouver Giants know who they'll play in the Western Hockey League Championship. Prince Albert Raiders. We'll have highlights of their uh, Eastern Conference win and Stanley Cup playoffs going on right now as well. All right, lots of couples. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. See you guys in a bit. Thanks. For flood-weary residents in central and eastern Canada, there are signs of some imminent relief tonight. But not everyone is in the clear. And now the prime minister is suggesting it's time to rethink Canada's relationship with nature. Ross Lord reports. The spring floods of 2019 are already notorious, and every day there's more upheaval. Among the latest, St. Marthe sur le lac, northwest of Montreal. Flooding there has gone from bad to worse. Thousands of people forced out of their homes after a dike broke. Police say using amphibious vehicles saved lives, with floodwaters swallowing cars and reaching ground floor windows in some homes. Our first report says that more than 2,500 houses are affected and about 5,000 people were evacuated. First responders urging residents to stay away from flooded streets. Rising water levels along the Ottawa River have forced the federal government to close this bridge between Ottawa and Quebec. In multiple regions, soldiers have become a familiar sight, called in to help overwhelmed communities. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau suggests the drastic conditions this spring are causing his government to reconsider Canada's relationship with nature. Once we secure the situation uh, through this uh, spring flooding season, uh, we will have to have uh, significant reflections and conversations on how we move forward. Trudeau says it highlights the importance of fighting climate change and adapting. At least some areas are stabilizing, like Bracebridge, Ontario, two hours north of Toronto. There, the situation is dramatic, but they hope a change for the better is on the horizon. Today is a dry day, and it's expected that the next few days will be dry days. And we think that that can give us a fighting chance at seeing water levels go down. There are signs of improvement in New Brunswick, where more than 1,000 people have moved to safety and 84 roads have been closed. Some streets and ability to get around have opened up. Which is not the same as over. For thousands of Canadians in a long string of communities, there are more difficult days to endure. Ross Lord, Global News, Halifax. In California, police have charged a 19-year-old man with one count of first-degree murder after a shooting at a synagogue. One person was killed and three others wounded when a gunman opened fire during services on the last day of Passover. Steve Patterson reports. Tonight, a community standing strong in the wake of a horrific act fueled by hate. The gunman, armed with an assault-style rifle, taking aim at worshippers, packed in for a Saturday service on the last day of Passover. Somebody was screaming, you know, hide yourself, shooting, shooting, shooting. You know, so we all laid on the floor and started crawling towards the exits. Inside, acts of bravery. 34-year-old Almog Peretz scrambled to save children, ushering several to safety even after being shot in the leg. So I hear like a 
palm, like hard, so hard. I look somebody stand, stand in a gun like that and then look at me and shot. His eight-year-old niece, Noya Dahan, was hit by shrapnel. I was scared. It felt like movies, like you have to hide so you won't get shot and stuff. It was like too scary to not cry. In the chaos, 60-year-old Lori Kay was shot and killed. Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein among the injured. My granddaughter, four and a half years old, sees her grandpa with a bleeding hand. And she sees me screaming and shouting, get out, get out. Multiple law enforcement sources identifying the suspect as 19-year-old John T. Ernest, a college student with no criminal history. An accomplished pianist and swimmer, he was studying to be a nurse. Before the attack, police believe Ernest published a hate-filled letter detailing a deep hatred and disgust for Jews. We are a Jewish nation that will stand tall. We will not let anyone or anything take us down. Thousands marched through the streets of downtown Hong Kong today to protest against changes to an extradition law that's widely seen as eroding the territory's independent legal system. Many demonstrators carried yellow umbrellas, recalling the city's 2014 pro-democracy protest. The leaders in that movement were sentenced to up to 16 months in prison. At its peak, police say nearly 23,000 people took part in today's protest. Revisions to the law would make it easier to send criminal suspects to mainland China, where critics say they could face vague national security charges and unfair trials. Under the one country, two systems policy agreed upon by China and the UK, Hong Kong is supposed to continue until 2047 with its own legal processes. It was the case of dueling events between U.S. President Donald Trump and the media last night. For the third straight year, Trump skipped the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner. This year's featured speaker was Pulitzer Prize-winning author and historian Ron Chernow. He is best known for writing a biography of U.S. founding father Alexander Hamilton, which was the basis for the Tony Award-winning musical Hamilton. Chernow joked about Trump's absence. As you all know, on Tuesday, the president let it be known that he wanted members of his administration to stay away from this dinner. And at first, I was puzzled by this news. But then I learned that a rumor was circulating in Washington that I was going to be reading aloud from the redacted portions of the Mueller report. My main theme here tonight is that relations between presidents and the press are inevitably tough, almost always adversarial, but they don't need to be steeped in venom. Trump instead hosted a political rally in Green Bay, Wisconsin, along with his press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. At last year's White House Correspondents' Dinner, comedian Michelle Wolf delivered a performance that some thought was particularly harsh against Sanders, who was seated on stage at the time. Last year, this night, I was at a slightly different event. Uh, Not quite the best welcome, so this is an amazing honor. I'm so proud to work for the president. The world's highest highway tunnel is now open in Tibet. The tunnel opened to traffic on Friday. It's at an altitude of more than 4,700 meters above sea level. With the speed limit of 80 kilometers an hour, it takes only four minutes to pass through the two-way tunnel. That's nearly six kilometers long. Wheelbarrows were at the ready for hundreds of avid gardeners in Vancouver this morning. The extremely popular Van Dusen plant sale kicked off with thousands of plants available. Now in its 41st year, the largest plant sale in the Lower Mainland always attracts a big crowd of 
green thumbs looking to spruce up their outdoor space for summer. We have approximately 25 to 30,000 plants for sale every year. Uh, over the 41 years, we have donated to Van Dusen $1.7 million and sold over a million plants. So it's been, it is the, within the top three largest plant, one day plant sales in North America and the largest in Canada. All right, now that people have their plants, is the weather favorable for getting out in the garden this week, Yvonne? Yes, early into this week, uh, looking ahead, it is going to be fantastic. Today, uh, beautiful, much calmer if you were out on the water. Here's a beautiful shot. Uh, temperature sitting at 14 out of the airport with a northwesterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. Wanted to share this photo, a great one that was sent in from John. That's his dog, Katie, in there at Mount Harvey, and that's a beautiful shot overlooking Howe Sound. So thank you so much for sending in that photo at Temperatures today getting up to 14 for most areas if you're by the water, away closer to 17 or 18. We were right where we should be for this time of the year, but not quite record-breaking. 22 degrees was set back in 1976. We're currently sitting at 11 degrees for Whistler, 16 for areas near Hope, the Malahat at 11, and Comox with your current temperature at 16 degrees. Good evening into Nelson, currently sitting at 12. Prince George at 9 in areas near the Peace, a touch cooler with temperatures at 5 degrees. Now, we are going to see a nice clearing this evening and for Monday morning, but then a few clouds are going to start to roll its way in just for the afternoon interior regions, but there is a weak ridge that is building in. Putting the future cast into play, the concern tomorrow afternoon, it's a 30% chance that we'll see an isolated shower and even the risk of a thunderstorm stretching into Whistler and a few spots, especially into the tops at Okanagan. That's tomorrow afternoon and then it really does start to clear out. It dissipates and that ridge is going to build in over the next couple of days. Putting the upper level forecast into play, it'll be two Tuesday, Wednesday, the nicest out of the bunch, and then a change on Thursday with the ridge starting to break down. On Thursday, we'll see more cloud cover, a chance of showers, and similar on our Friday. For the piece, a few wet flurries will be near the Rockies. It'll be showers for most areas tomorrow and a few flurries on your Tuesday. Areas near Whitehorse, sunshine, and temperatures climbing up to 14. Along the north coast, temperatures up to 14 with a mainly sunny sky, a touch cooler on Wednesday with only a high of 10. Caribou and Central Indian Interior bumping up to nine tomorrow, more cloud cover and a chance of showers both in the evening on Tuesday, Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai will be a partly cloudy sky getting up to 14. It's the tops in Okanagan that will see that instability tomorrow afternoon with the risk of a thunderstorm and temperatures temperatures, excuse me, closer to 13. That instability for Whistler as well, 13 as the high and then a few clouds rolling in on your Wednesday. And windy near the Harrow Strait for tomorrow. Southern and eastern sections of the island near Victoria will bump up to 17 degrees. It's our long-range forecast looking pretty good for the beginning of the week. For tomorrow, areas away from the water could get up to 19, 18 for our Tuesday. And most areas on Wednesday, it'll be sunny to kick things off for the morning hours. We'll start to see that increase in cloud cover. Wednesday evening should still remain dry. And Thursday, Friday, we'll see a change on the way with some on and off showers. Jordan? All right, looks pretty good. Thanks, Yvonne. If you're not old enough, you can't get in. That's the case at one event in Finland, but the age restriction is higher than you'd think. This is an over 50 party. Hundreds of people turned out for a monthly disco event this weekend. The 50 plus set has been dancing here for 13 years. No Generation X, Y or Z people allowed. Avengers and Endgame officially became the first movie in Hollywood history to gross more than $1 billion globally in its opening weekend.
$450 million in the U.S. and Canada, surpassing the previous record of $258 million. That was held by the film's predecessor, Infinity War. Around the world, the Disney Marvel Studios film took in $1.2 billion in its first five days of release. Disney now boasts the top four spots for an opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada, rounded out by The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens from the Star Wars franchise. All right, Sharks versus the Avalanche tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, you know, Sharks, of course, coming off that uh, incredible game yes. against Vegas. I think, you know, it's hard. I'm not sure what people have found, you know, what team they want to cheer for. I'm kind of going towards San Jose. I want to see Jumbo Joe <laughs> finally get that uh, Stanley Cup. All right, thanks uh, very much. Thanks to one of the most epic comebacks in Stanley Cup history in Game 7 against Vegas. The San Jose Sharks might be considered a team of destiny. San Jose has never won the Stanley Cup, and time is running out for Joe Thornton, who turns 40 this summer. But the Sharks are looking strong after winning Game 1 against Colorado. Game 2 on the ice right now in San Jose. Shark Tank rocking again. Ready to cheer another San Jose victory, and things look good early. Evander Kane on the rebound here, is second to the playoffs. One nothing Sharks in front, but in the second, it's a BC boy Tyson Berry. Nice spin move to keep the play alive. His shot tipped in by Gabriel Landeskog. Great job to get a piece of that one in front of Martin Jones. It's 1-1, and then Sharks thought that was icing. Rantanen will dig it out. Landeskog stopped, but Tyson Berry... We'll hammer it in, and it's 2-1 right now in the third. Colorado leading, looking to tie up that series. Meanwhile, Islanders trying to get back on even terms against the Hurricanes. Carolina took game one, one nothing in overtime. First period, Matthew Barzell trying to pass it, deflected in by Carolina defenseman Jacob Slavin. Isles' first goal of the series, they led one nothing. Second period, Isles on the rush, innocent-looking play, but Kane's goalie, Peter Mrazek, hurts himself, likely a groin, had to leave the game. Curtis McElhinney had to come in. Third period, still one nothing, but just 17 seconds into the third, Warren Fogle races in and snaps it past Robin Lehner. It's 1-1, and then 48 seconds later, Tavo Taravainen with the shot, Nino Niederreiter with the tip, and just like that, the Canes have the lead 2-1. Now, the Isles had some great chances to tie. Jordan Eberle pounces on the loose puck, hits the goal post. Can't believe it. And then, with just over a minute to go, extra attacker, Ryan Pollock leans into one and dents the crossbar, but it stays out. The hockey gods firmly on the side of the Hurricanes, who win again 2-1, lead the series 2-0, heading home to Raleigh for Game 3 on Wednesday night. Western Hockey League playoffs from Edmonton. Game 6, Raiders and Oil Kings, first period. Alexi Protas with a ripper to the top shelf, ties it up 1-1. Protas scored again to make it 2-1, and then on another power play, Noah Gregg fires a laser in. It's 3-1 Prince Albert after one. Second period, now 3-2. It's the Belarusian Protoss one more time his hat-trick goal. PA wins the game 4-2. They take the series 4-2 and they will meet the Vancouver Giants in the Western Hockey League Championship Series. Game one Friday in PA. Game three back in Vancouver a week from Tuesday. World Under-18 bronze medal game, Canada-USA. Both teams upset yesterday in the semis. Many thought this would be the gold medal game. Jack Hughes showing off today. Whips the pass over to Alex Turcott to give the U.S. the lead. 
Canada got it back before the period's out. Dylan Cousins, pretty solo effort, gets the puck back in the slot, fires it home to make it 1-1 after one. Second period, more from Jack Hughes. Such incredible ice vision and speed. Give and go here. Hughes will finish to give the Americans the lead at 2-1. Such a dynamic young player. Expected to go number one, of course, at the draft here in Vancouver this June. Hughes had a goal and two assists as the Americans get another power play goal. Gets an assist on this one. He set a new U18 record with 32 points over the last two U18 tournaments, passing Alex Ovechkin's previous record of 31. 5-2 the final. Sweden won the gold, Russia the silver. NBA playoffs, game one, East semifinal. Top seed Milwaukee Bucks against the fourth seed Boston Celtics. Third quarter, Kyrie Irving to Marcus Morris for the flush. 63-56 Boston. Kyrie taking it himself here. Gets the lead to 12. Celtics led by 17 after three. Fourth quarter though, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo trying to rally the Bucks, makes the steal here. Goes in for the jam, but Giannis just seven of 21 from the field, held to 22 points. But the Celtics were relentless. Irving knocks down the three, led the way with 26 as Boston wins game one on the road, 112 to 90. Raptors and 76ers play game two tomorrow at five in Toronto. In the West, game one of what should be an epic series between the Warriors and Rockets. Tight game, second half. Warriors on the run. Kevin Durant throws down two of his team high 35, coming off 50 the other night against the Clippers. James Harden matched that 35 for the Rockets, hits the jumper to cut the lead to two. Still a two-point game, 30 seconds to go. Ball in hand for Steph Curry, and you know what he does best. Hits the three ball, and Golden State wins game one, 102-98. Game two in Oakland, Tuesday night. Welcome back, everyone. Manchester City and Liverpool are in a dogfight for the English Premiership title, but it's all in Man City's hands. If they win their last three matches, they win their second straight EPL championship. And judging by recent form, City's going to do it again. They show no signs of a stumble. They were looking for their 12th straight league match win today. Leroy Sané and Man City facing 15th place Burnley today. Had a surprisingly difficult time. The only goal of the match from Sergio Aguero. Now City started to celebrate immediately. They had to go to video review and goal line technology says that just got across. So it wasn't pretty, but City get the win. They move a point up on Liverpool. Two matches left for each side. Hard to believe Man City won't take this one across the finish line. Manchester United still clinging to their faint hope of sneaking into the top four. At home to Chelsea today in a crucial fight for a Champions League spot. And 11 minutes in, Luke Shaw squares it up for Juan Mata, who scores. United jump out 1-0. United played a strong opening half, all undone on this one play just before the half is out. Antonio Rudiger from distance. David De Gea spills it. Marcos Alonso will finish up. Opportunity loss for United. It ends 1-1. They remain three points back of fourth place Chelsea with two to go. Their Champions League spot in serious doubt right now. Jamie Vardy and Leicester City hosting Arsenal. Gunners running out of time to climb into the top four. Began the day in fifth, 56th minute. Leicester breaks through. Yuri Tillman's glancing header to the back of the net. 1-0 Foxes and then... Jamie Vardy took over, first of two on the day. This one coming on a long goal kick. Vardy runs onto it, chips off the crossbar, but then heads it in. What an effort 
3-0 the final. Leicester climb up to eighth. Arsenal remains fifth. They're a point up on Man United. Two points back of fourth place Chelsea. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and the Blue Jays going for the season sweep of Oakland. Five wins over the A's the last two weekends. Ninth inning tied 1-1. Vladdy with a solid single to center. That's his uh, third hit in three games. One each game. Was lifted for a pinch runner. Jays didn't score. They fell behind 4-1 after giving up three in the top of the 11th. But Brandon Drury, an athletics killer this year with a three-run homer. He's got four home runs this year. All against Oakland. Ties it at four. Still in the 11th, Justin Smoke laces a base hit through the left side. Freddie Galvis races around for the winning run, and the Jays take it 5-4. Now 14-14 and on the season, playing a lot better than I think a lot of people thought. And they're a perfect 3-0 with Vladdy Jr. in the lineup. And to the Big Easy and the PGA's Zurich Classic of New Orleans, a team competition. Canadian David Hearn birdies the 18th here. He and his partner, Seamus Power of Ireland, finished tied for fifth. Nick Taylor and Martin Laird were tied for ninth. And Adam Hadwin and his partner, Jim Noss, tied for 13th. So three Canadians in the top 15. But no one could catch John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. The Spaniard Rahm almost holes out for a two here. It was an easy birdie. Gets them to 25 under. And then on 14, Ryan Palmer with the birdie putt as Rahm and Palmer Take it by three shots over the team of Sergio Garcia and Tommy Fleet with H, one over a million bucks. So it's nice when you have partners. Usually you play it's like for, for 20 bucks yes. on Sundays. They get like a million, money. but they're a little better than us. Yeah. British Columbia is home to a number of Olympic athletes, and soon a new sport could mean even more members on Team Canada. Cheerleading is on its way to becoming an official Olympic sport. And this province is home to some of its elite athletes. As Nadia Stewart reports, their Olympic dreams might soon come true. Five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three. They train for up to 30 hours a week doing stunts, flips, and tricks most people wouldn't dare try. Seven, eight, one, out, two. All for the love of a sport often weighed down by misconception. What we do is, is in fact a real sport that takes hours and hours of training, commitment and dedication. This is competitive cheerleading, an increasingly popular sport with millions of young men and women participating across more than 50 countries. And after decades of watching from the sidelines, the sport is finally getting the recognition it deserves. I am so incredibly excited that it's been recognized as an Olympic sport. Danica Garrick is among the eight Metro Vancouver-based members of Canada's all-girl premier team. Her dream of competing on the world stage one step closer to being realized since the International Olympic Committee gave the sport provisional recognition in 2016. The three-year recognition period ends this year. If I am given the opportunity to do so, that would be an absolute dream come true. Being able to represent your country at the Olympics has got to be one of the most incredible feelings. Two, three, four, five. The next step is for the International Cheer Union, cheerleading's governing body, to petition the IOC to be included in the official game. And we are hoping in, you know, the next few years, hopefully uh, by 2024 or 2028 in LA to be accepted into the Olympics. Giving rise to the next generation of Canadian Olympic hopefuls. Nadia Stewart, Global News. That looks very hard. It should be an Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean, 
pretty much they're like uh, very acrobatic gymnasts yes. in, in, uh, in that regard. And you can't be afraid of heights, especially no. if you're the little person who gets uh, yeah. at the top. We thought if we ever had a global cheerleading <laughs> team, you'd be the one at the top for sure. I don't know about the heights, though. <laughs> and I don't know. You'd have, it's... They're good athletes. Yes, so. they're incredible. Yeah. You're sticking to your weather job, eh? I Last think so. Yeah. Forecast. yeah, final look at the five-day forecast. It's going to be very pleasant for the next three days. We have a few clouds, a slight chance for a shower in the afternoon. Change will be on the way Thursday, Friday, so just focus on the next three days. All right. You That's and Squire. You and Sunday Squire. News yeah, hour. Squire and I. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> oh, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> good night. <laughs>